Welcome to the Go Hard Chick Podcast. This is your host, Crystal Holmes. And today I bring you episode 36, Recognizing Trauma. Go Hard Chicks, during my own wellness journey, I began to examine my own traumas. And it it hasn't been easy, but I am finally, after years, beginning to pull back the layers to help me heal. It is a process and it can take a long time. But I had a light bulb moment several months ago when I watched a movie called The Wisdom of Trauma by Dr. Gabor Mate. In this movie, Dr. Mate explains how trauma can be caused by some of the most, what many might believe, unlikely things. Trauma doesn't have to be a, or the result of, a catastrophic event. We have to begin to redefine what trauma looks like in our healing journeys. This movie really prompted me to look at my own life and to examine what trauma experiences happened to me. I knew I had symptoms of trauma. But for years, I simply could not identify what triggered these symptoms because my limited definition of what trauma was. So some symptoms of trauma that you could be experiencing or a loved one might be experiencing include suffering from severe fear, anxiety, or depression unable to form close, satisfying relationships, experiencing terrifying memories, nightmares, or flashbacks, avoiding more of anything that reminds you of an event, being emotionally numb and disconnected from others, and of course, using alcohol or drugs or or even food to make yourself feel better. Working through trauma can be scary and it's painful and potentially it could be re-traumatizing. So this healing work is best undertaken with the help of an experienced therapist. Now, of course, nothing on this podcast is medical advice, but I wanted to bring on one of my favorites. So I sought out one of my favorite therapists, Dr. Tiffany Pope. And I had her come back on the podcast to discuss this issue of trauma. If you recall, Dr. Pope was our guest in episode 17, where we discussed anger. If you haven't listened to episode 17, I encourage you to do so. I hope this episode really helps you in your healing journey. So without further ado, welcome to the Go Hard Chick podcast. Go Hard Chick. Dr. Tiffany Pope. Welcome to the Go Hard Chick podcast, Dr. Pope. How are you? Thank you. Thank you. I'm doing well. Thank you. How are you? I'm great. I should say welcome back. (laughs) I'm so glad that you are here. I'm so excited. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate you. I appreciate you. So before we jump into today's topic of trauma, mm-hmm. I want, even though you've been here before, but I want you to reintroduce yourself to the listeners. 
Okay, sure. I am Dr. Tiffany Pope. I'm a licensed mental health therapist. I have a private practice called Cultivating Roots. Um, I also work at a high school as a school counselor, um, have been doing that for 20 years now. So um, I don't know. What else do you want me to, <laughs> what else can I say? That's great. That's great. And listeners, like Dr. Pope is like one of my favorites. <laughs> favorites. <laughs> so, thank you. Thank you. I had to get you on to talk about this issue of trauma. And like I was telling you before we started recording, mm-hmm. I was called to like talk about this issue of trauma because I realized, I think during this pandemic, it just got me thinking that I, I've had trauma. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. like I was mentioning, I... I define trauma as something catastrophic previously, like, you know, having a drug addicted parent or um, being homeless, like something grand. Mm -hmm. So I did not think that anything I experienced that could have been trauma in my childhood was really trauma. Mm -hmm. And I would, you know, basically sweep that under the rug and say that that wasn't my issue. It was someone else's issue. I don't, I don't have trauma. But I've I've since realized that, yeah, I did have some trauma. And just because it wasn't, quote, unquote, catastrophic. Right. It was still trauma. Exactly. So if you could explain just for the listeners, what, what is trauma? Oh, that's a great question. What is trauma? Trauma is a powerful emotional response to a distressing event. That can be um, an emotional response to something like if you're in the military or you went to war, it can be a car accident. Um, it can be the unexpected loss of a loved one. Um, it can be mental abuse, physical abuse, verbal abuse. Um, it can continue to cause emotional and physical symptoms for many years after that event has happened. And so when we look at things like um, hurricanes and tornadoes, you know, that's something that we don't necessarily consider trauma. But if you think about it, if you've been in a tornado or a hurricane and you see the damage and the destruction of it, it your brain processes what you see, even what you hear about as far as that, you know, that particular event. Um, when you hear that, oh, someone was was thrown from their house by a tornado, they were swept up in a tornado, our brain starts to imagine that for us. And that can cause a traumatic reaction. So the next time there's a strong thunderstorm or strong winds or even the prediction of a, of a tornado, we go through some type of emotional response where you may have someone who's afraid to leave the house or they're afraid to be, if they have a basement, they're going to stay in their basement until the storm is over or their reaction to lightning and thunder is just exaggerated um, because of that memory of hearing about someone being thrown in the air from a tornado. So that can be trauma. And that's something that we overlook. Um, a lot of people will say things like, oh, yeah, my cousin was in the military and, you know, they didn't see any any um, action. So they probably don't have any trauma. That's not necessarily true. There are certain jobs in the military that you have to be the one where you are reading the reports of the casualties or you may have to notify the families of the casualties. And as human beings, if we have any type of empathy 
for others. We're going to take that information and our heart is going to go out to that person and that family. And so if you hear enough of that on a daily basis, over and over and over, you start to have a strong emotional response, which is trauma. So how, how does one go about, because I think a lot of us, I mean, it, obviously if I was in a tornado, I would, I guess I would think that I would identify pretty easily that I experienced a traumatic event, but there are other events that we may have experienced where we might not make the connection that that was trauma, mm-hmm. but we're having responses to certain things, mm-hmm. you know, cause I, sometimes you talk to people, friends or colleagues, even myself. And when I struggled with anger, mm-hmm. <laughs> And I remember thinking, why am I so angry? Mm-hmm. And I never made the connection, even though I don't know why I didn't make the connection. I I, I believe like the death of my father was mm-hmm. a traumatic event. Mm-hmm. You know, it happened when I was very young. I was four, almost five. Yep. Um, but I I did not acknowledge it as a traumatic event because I thought, well, he died of cancer. So it wasn't anybody's fault. Mm -hmm. So I can't possibly be traumatized by that. (laughs) I know it sounds crazy. But that's the rational side of you thinking about that. Um, But if you think about it, so at four years old and your father passes away from cancer, who explained to you about your emotions, about having the right to feel these emotions and understanding that death is something that will happen. And, you know, there's nothing to be afraid of, but opened up that door for you to come and talk about your feelings and to express yourself and to, to cry and to not feel ashamed about crying. You know, did you have that as a four-year-old? I I don't remember. Exactly. You know, because in, in that moment at four, you were just trying to adjust. Your brain was trying to adjust to this new normal of not having dad anymore. And so, of course, you're not going to put two and two and think that together and think that that was traumatic. But you may have had dreams about it. You, if you, if you say that you are, you were angry, and now looking back, you feel like that was a part of how you felt as a four-year-old losing your father. So that's what I'm talking about. Did you have someone to talk to you about the anger? Did you have someone to say, it's okay to feel angry about this? Because if you didn't, then yes, you're going to grow up thinking, I'm just mad because I don't have my dad here. And so there were certain things that happened in your lifetime that maybe you were caused, you were feeling stressed or you had that same feeling that you had when you were four losing your father. And there the anger is, and you can't understand why. Right. Right. So our brains do a lot of things to protect us. And if you're very young and you don't have the direction, if you don't have anybody to guide you through that process, you do the only thing that a four year old can do. You know, you start acting out maybe or you withdraw or there's something that happens that it may be very subtle and nobody may realize it. But if you don't have anybody to address it at that time, then you grow up with that those same behaviors. Well, see, that's the thing. It's that subtle thing. Like, you know, I wasn't getting in a whole lot of trouble at school. You know, I I was, 
had decent grades, you know, I was quote unquote a good kid, you know, so I think because I wasn't, I don't want to say I didn't act out, but because it wasn't something major, like I didn't join a gang, mm-hmm. <laughs> that might be the extreme, you know, I, you know, I wasn't doing that kind of stuff. I think we as parents think, well, she's fine. Mm-hmm. You know, there's nothing wrong with her. You know, right. how many times have right. you heard that? You right. know, but looking back, now I realize I was very much traumatized when we would go to his gravesite for years. I, I couldn't get out the car. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. I was afraid that if I got out of the car, I mean, I was young, mm-hmm. that the sky would turn black yeah. and like demons would start flying. I mean, I, literally, this is yes. what I thought. Absolutely. And it took me years to finally get out the car. Mm-hmm. Yes. Absolutely. And so what happened then after that was when you had moments in your life, and if you think back over some of the times when you did get angry about things and then you ask yourself, why was I that angry? Why did I have that response to it? So that feeling that you had when your father died, your brain remembered that. It took a a snapshot of that feeling. When, as you go through life, even though you're not consciously thinking about that event, if something happened in your life that made your body react the same way that your brain remembers, the anger is going to automatically come. That's called a trauma response. Okay. Okay. So um, you are doing this and you don't even realize that you're doing it because your brain taught itself to react in this way throughout your lifetime. It was almost like a protective mechanism for you. Right. You know, I'm going to be angry because it's easier to be angry than it is to feel hurt. Because when we feel hurt, it's uncomfortable. At least if I feel angry, it justifies me doing certain things. And right. So we tend to get more comfortable in being angry than being hurt or being sad. Yeah. And see, it, it went on for years. <laughs> and I, to the point where I couldn't. I don't like, I don't know why I'm angry. Like it didn't occur to me that it could have started there until recently. Absolutely. So I, I want to help people. Like, how do we begin to identify these traumas so you don't have to recognize them when you're almost 50? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <It's> so, <laughs> and you still are going to recognize certain things. I mean, there's right. at this point, <laughs> like we talked about right before recording at this point, especially going through COVID and the loss of loved ones, the loss of friends, you know, we see it every day on the news. There's something about COVID and it's like, will this thing ever end? We've got to wear masks. We've got to social distance. We've got to, there's so many rules that we have to follow in a sense. Until now, every, you know, there are a lot of people who are becoming rebellious. No, I'm not wearing my mask. No, I'm not going to social distance. No, that's our way of taking our power and control back because we feel traumatized. We feel like we're walking in fear all the time. So when it comes to recognizing trauma, that's something that we may not recognize within ourselves because remember, our brain is the one that's telling us to do these things to protect ourselves. But as we have loved ones who see us going through changes and you might notice little, those little things, um, asking questions about feelings. How are you feeling? And, you know, a lot of people will just say, oh, I'm just tired. I'm just exhausted. 
well, what's got you? Because that can, trauma can come up, come out in ways like depression, anxiety, um, overeating, sleeping a lot, you know, anger. Um, it can just manifest itself in so many different ways. And as you were talking about your situation, um, it brought me to my a situation of my own. When I was a young girl, um, my grandparents lived by an old airfield. And there was an airplane. I was standing outside and there was an airplane that had taken off. It's like a crop duster. And all I could see was this black smoke. And I saw the plane just kind of nose diving. And oh. for me, yes. And for me, I had never been on a plane before. I was probably eight or nine, maybe. Had never been on a plane, but just seeing this. And the next day, there was a report on the news that the, that plane that I saw had crashed. And that I think all the, the people in the plane died. For years, I refused to get on an airplane. Nope, I'm not doing it. I'd rather drive. I don't care where we got to go. As an adult, I don't want to go. Um, and my first plane trip was to a family function in Flint, Michigan. And when I tell you I had so much anxiety, I was a teenager by then and couldn't explain why I was so afraid to fly. Even to the point where I made it through that trip and I've made it through several other trips, but living in Atlanta near the airport, when the planes would come over that over the intersection interstate, I would literally drive in my car. I would literally freeze up because all I could see was that image of the black smoke coming from the crop duster and it nose diving. That was traumatic for me and I didn't realize it. Until I got older and started thinking, why am I so afraid to fly? I love to travel. Why am I so afraid to fly? But that was why. That was the reason. And so, yeah. yes, we do have those, those little things that happen in our life. And we can't understand why it happens. But this is what it is. So let's talk about some symptoms of trauma. Um, avoidance. When you avoid um, reminders of that traumatic event, including memories, the memory may come, but you're like, nope, nope, nope. I don't even want to think about it. I'm going to avoid this. Flashbacks of the traumatic event. Um, an exaggerated startle response. Um, having dreams about it, recurring dreams and having sleep problems. Because when your brain is quieting and you're trying to relax, all of a sudden, you've got these thoughts on your head and you're just kind of like, I got this feeling. I don't know what it is. Um, those could be symptoms of trauma. Irritability, anger and other negative emotions can all be symptoms of trauma. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Self-blame regarding the traumatic event. Um, if only I could have done something, this wouldn't have happened. If only I'd been smarter. This, this wouldn't have happened. Um, so these are just a few of the responses to trauma. There's also, or the symptoms of trauma. Um, when we talk about sexual trauma, one of the main trauma responses can be hypersexuality because that's what your body remembers. That's what your brain remembers. The tra traumatic event was sex. And so even though it wasn't something that was welcomed at the time, if you feel stressed out in life about something, you automatically go to your body using your body for sex or you want to masturbate or you want to do something sexual because that gives you a release. That can be a trauma response. Mm. Okay. <laughs> I see your wheels turning. Well, I mean, cause I'm just looking over my life. Like 
going back to like my father's death, I mean, not that that was the only thing, traumatic thing that happened to me, but like for a time I was, like I said, scared to get out the car, you know, when we would go to the, you know, to visit his, you know, plot. Um, And then for a time, I just remember creating this scenario in my mind where I was angry at my mom about it. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it made no sense at all, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but I, I do believe, and I'm not, I mean, parents do the best they can do. Lord knows. Mm-hmm. I, I know I should have been in therapy, probably my siblings, all of us, mm-hmm. um, to help me process that because I was four, I didn't understand. Right. And I remember being at the funeral like I, I remember the funeral, like it was yesterday mm-hmm. and them taking the casket out and me, I, I don't know who I asked, but like, what's in that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like, mm-hmm. and, and someone saying, well, you know, you're dead. Mm-hmm. And so I remember going up to it, like trying to open it. Yeah. Like, what do you mean? Like, I didn't understand. Yes. And I remember them pulling me away, but I don't know that I really understood, certainly didn't understand death. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I didn't have the tools to cope with it. And it was, and I almost felt like as a child, like I didn't want to upset my mom. So mm-hmm. I would not show emotions mm-hmm. when, you know, Father's Day would come around. It was always weird, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yes. anything yeah. that had to deal with, you know, dad, like mm-hmm. Father's Day, it was mm-hmm. just weird. And I, I didn't want to cry in front of her because I didn't want her to get upset. So, mm-hmm. you know, you start to carry this burden. Yes. You know. Yes. And you have to realize too, your mom may have been traumatized in losing him. Absolutely. So she wouldn't know how to really give you what you may have needed in that moment because she didn't even know what she needed at that time. Um, So again, our brain does things for us to help protect us. And there's nothing wrong with that because when you think about it, Thanks to the little girl crystal brain, it got you through to big girl crystal, <laughs> right? So now you're successful and you know you're healthy. Um, you recognize things about yourself, so you're becoming more self-aware. Now you can tell little girl crystal, "Hey, I don't need that anymore. I don't have to protect myself in that way anymore. I don't need the anger anymore. I can process things differently." Yeah, but all those years of anger <laughs> got me into some trouble. <laughs> But it taught you life lessons. Help me to make some <laughs> stupid mistakes. <laughs> yes, I, I did get some lessons, but 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 what happened was what had happened was I'm a traumatized little girl that became an, a traumatized adult that did stupid stuff that re-traumatized me. So yes. now I got all these trauma events. <laughs> yes, 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 absolutely. And as a parent, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't know that we can avoid trauma. You can't. So as a parent, like I'm trying to, and I don't blame my parents and I'm, I hope nobody else blames theirs, but some people do. Mm-hmm. But like you said, my mom was dealing with her own traumas, you know, and then you bring a child into the world or children. And, you know, so I'm trying to recognize my trauma so that I'm not making so many mistakes with my kid. Mm-hmm. 
the so the biggest thing about when you're dealing when you're a parent and you're trying to deal with your children as far as trauma is concerned is communication. Talk, 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 talk. I cannot stress that enough. Asking your child or children, how do you feel about what just happened? You know, let's have a conversation about it. It's okay to feel angry. Um, And a lot of times children don't realize that they need to talk about things. And at a certain age, they stop trusting us anyway with their feelings. And so we may have to pry a little bit more. And that's when you have to get creative with the conversations to kind of draw it out of them. Um, But when you are an emotionally mature, self-aware parent, you tend to be able to see it in your children a little bit quicker if there's something going on. Because you recognize, gosh, if I were in this situation, this would be traumatizing for me. Let me see how my child feels about this situation that just happened to him or her. Let me see what's going on inside there. Right. Um, When it comes to the death of, of loved ones or something like that, we try to avoid talking about it because it's hurtful. You know, we don't want to lose loved ones. We don't because. The selfish part of us says, no, I want you here forever. And the reality is we're never, we were never meant to be here forever. Um, death is going to come. But in talking about it with children, a lot of people will just kind of leave the kids out of it. No, I don't want the child to know anything about it. We'll just go to the funeral. We'll just whatever. And they'll stay with the sitter. They'll go to school. But that's not always helpful because in a child's mind, they're imagining what that box is. And there's nobody there to explain it to them. So they're left with the babysitter to their own thoughts. Right. And you don't know what's going on inside there. So you have to open up the lines of communication and don't be afraid to expose your children to the death of a loved one, because that's the perfect time to talk to them about what death is and to talk about if you have a faith base, that's a good time to pour into them because death is going to happen throughout their lifetime. They're going to have people that pass away on them. But knowing how to process that that death, knowing how to process that event will help them to be better able to deal with death when it comes later in life. So they're not afraid to go to funerals. They're not, you know, overwhelmingly angry about death. They understand that it is a part of life. This is a cycle. Um, And they they can they can really be um, more patient with themselves if we open up those lines of communication very early. So even things that happen at school, you know, when you think about a child who comes from a household that is very quiet, very structured, um, there's no yelling, they go to school and in a classroom of 30 plus people, now you've got this one child who has behavioral issues and they're throwing desks. Do you think that's traumatic for your child who's coming from a home that's very quiet, very structured, you know, very routine, very regimented to go into a school building to see thousands of children. You're in a class with 30 something other kids and one kid is upset and they're throwing chairs. How do you think your child feels? I I never thought about that, but they I assume she would be a little traumatized. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so any loud noise that she hears after that point, she may be startled or you may notice that she doesn't want to go to friends' houses or she doesn't want to go to places with big crowds. Um, all of a sudden, and it's like, well, what happened? Why are you not want to, you used to love going out to places like this. And now all of a sudden you don't want to go. 
that's a red flag. Maybe something has happened at school. When you see fights at school, that's traumatizing to people because you don't know what's going to happen. All of a sudden, you've got this crowd of people coming around and everybody's yelling and shouting and recording and things are flying. That's traumatic for somebody who's not accustomed to that. Now, you take a child who's, who goes home to fighting. <laughs> that event in school is nothing. It's like, oh, that's all you got? Bring something else. <laughs> right. <laughs> I get this every day. Right. So so it may not be traumatizing. That particular incident may not be traumatizing to that child because that's the environment they're accustomed to. But the fact that they're in a home that is that chaotic is also traumatic. And you got me thinking, you know, as a former divorce attorney, I. I would try to encourage my clients to get their kids in therapy because I knew there's just no way Mm -hmm. that I don't care how cordial you are. Mm -hmm. The kids got some trauma. You know, you go from mommy and daddy being together, living together. Now they're in two separate homes with two separate bedrooms and they're going back and forth. Mm -hmm. But a lot of parents would, oh, oh, he's fine. Mm -hmm. He doesn't need anything. His grades are great. He's still happy. You know, but like I said before, just because, you know, he's still making good grades doesn't mean he wasn't traumatized by that. Right, right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because it is, it's a shift in how things operate. Right. And again, if you don't explain things to children and you don't open up that the lines of communication for a child to say, I'm very angry that you and dad are divorced. I'm very angry that I have to go from house to house. At first, it may be fun because you get different rules and, you know, get more stuff sometimes. But ultimately, I'm angry because I have to keep packing a bag and going from one place to another. I have to make friends at this person's house. When I've grown up in this house and I've made so many friends in this neighborhood. So this is an adjustment for me and I don't like it, you know, but a lot of times children aren't given that opportunity to say, I'm angry about this. I'm hurt that you and mom can't work things out. We don't help them process those feelings. We have those feelings. We're, We're the adults and we have those feelings. But for some reason, we forget that children have those feelings. Oh, they'll be okay. Well, but that's the thing. I think a lot of the adults don't want to acknowledge right. that their kids could be having those feelings because they've got the feelings. Mm-hmm. And then they and there's there's guilt. Like if I if I acknowledge and say that my kid might be having some issues from this divorce, then I'm to blame. Mm-hmm. Or the other parent is to blame because we right. push the blame on right. somebody. <laughs> <laughs> Your office, our kid is messed up. <laughs> right, right. And they, they don't want to accept that. Right. Absolutely. It's hard as a parent to accept that something might be going on with your kid. Yes. And the other thing about going to therapy, though, is a lot of people with trauma avoid therapy because the first thing they say is, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about that. I, I'm over it. I don't want to talk about it. It happened years ago. It's not important when every decision they've made, everything they've done in their life was centered around this trauma and they don't want to address it because it's too painful. And so what we have to understand is, and again, I've probably used this on, on a, maybe one of the, pre- the previous podcasts that I was on for you. It's like the, the open wound or the surgery, right? We want to avoid that pain. 
we want to avoid the the soreness. We we don't want to have to, you know, we just want to get through it, but we can't. If we get a cut, if we get a, a if we have a surgical procedure, if we have some type of wound, we got to go through that process of healing. And so it's the same with the process of healing from trauma. You've got to go through it. Now, is it always necessary to talk about it? Not necessarily, but there are ways to address the trauma without actually reliving the trauma. Um, and you're a therapist, a, a professional can can help you help guide you through that. But um, it's really important that we start addressing our feelings about things and stop just saying, oh, I feel some type of way about it or I'm stressed out, but it's going to pass. Don't ignore the signs. Pay close attention to how you're feeling. If you're feeling anxiety all of a sudden and this isn't typical of you, go talk to somebody. Find out where this is coming from. Because a lot of times growing up, our brain is is actively protecting ourselves. But at some point, it's like this automatic. I don't know if it's a certain age we turn and it's like, wait a minute. All these years I've been living like this and I can't understand why. We start asking questions. We become more self-aware. And so now as we start questioning, now we say, you know what? Let me go talk to somebody about this because this just isn't, I'm, I'm not feeling my normal self. Your values start to change. Your routines may start to change. You may develop certain fears that you didn't have before, or you recognize I've had this fear all along and now I don't have it. Let me see what's going on here. So these are some of the things that we can be aware of when it comes to addressing the trauma and getting help for it. Right. Like you said, I mean, it. you get to a point for me well into my adulthood and you're like, what is going on here? And why am I feeling this way? But it is very hard sometimes to really just talk about it. Like for me, I I could talk to you about my dad's death, but I had created this scenario in my mind like that that possibly couldn't have been traumatizing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So that's not it. What else could it have been? (laughs) Yes, right. And then there was there's such a stigma with trauma, right? Because when you think of trauma, when you think of PTSD, what's the first thing you think of? like somebody in the military mm-hmm. that might've gone through something or some, you know, like something catastrophic happened to that person. Right. But what do you, what in your mind is their behavior if they have PTSD? Oh, um, just off the chain, right? you know, <laughs> you right. know or maybe they're on drugs, yep. you know? Yes. There's such a negative stigma when you say, Oh, this person has PTSD because the first thing we think, Oh, they ain't right in the head. You, know, right. you think of the people, you think of homeless people as the people who have PTSD. Oh, that's not me. I'm not anything like that. Or you think of someone jumping up under the table when they hear a loud noise because of shell shock. Oh, that's not me. I don't have anything like that. That's just crazy. Right. Right. So we right. Don't admit that we have trauma, because if we admit that we have trauma, that would be like admitting that we're quote unquote crazy. Trauma has nothing to do with crazy. And that one person, they might get on drugs. Right. That's how they responded to the trauma. But your trauma response in a similar situation might be different. Like I I mentioned before, I had um, years ago, I had a coworker who came from a single parent home. And I think it was a defendant or somebody that 
said in court that the reason they get in trouble is to came from a single parent home and they continue talking. And my coworker said, well, I came from a single parent home and I came out all right. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and she did. I mean, you, you know, she became a lawyer and about, but that doesn't mean that that wasn't traumatic. It, it, maybe it wasn't traumatic. I don't know, but that there wasn't some trauma behind that. Well, and we're also looking at the fact that she became successful, but your success has nothing to do with your behaviors outside of work because we all have a work self and we got the home self. And if we're making poor decisions in the home self, it may not affect work self a whole lot, but it still can be reactions to trauma. Additionally, that was a trigger for her. Yes, which tells you she was reacting to trauma because she yes. said, well, I came from a single parent home too. That was defensiveness, right? So remember we were talking about emotional distress, okay? She became defensive because how dare you say that coming from a single parent home traumatizes you. I'm not traumatized. I came from a single parent home, but apparently that's a sore spot for you. So it, it is possible that you really were traumatized during that time. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's true. <laughs> so we can look at, as we peel the layers, we can look at why we respond to certain things, why certain things are a trigger. Yes. And that can help us identify traumas. Yes. One of the things that um, I find in my practice when I'm talking to people and they say, well, my biggest issue is communication. I get so angry and I don't understand why I'm angry or Um, when someone is, when their partner or spouse or someone is talking to them about something, they have this strong emotional response, like defensiveness. When we start to talk about how it makes you feel, what that person did, how did it make you feel? Do you remember another time in your life when you had that feeling and kind of going backwards and things? And then it's like, aha, I remember now when I was however years old this event happened in my life and that's how this made me feel. And so I reacted the same way that I reacted back then. I became angry or I became defensive or I had to protect myself. People who don't want to have close relationships, right? You have people who sabotage relationships all the time. That can be a result of trauma. Someone left me whether they left me because they didn't get along with with somebody in our house, whether they left me because they died, whatever the reason, this important person left my life. And now I'm afraid that if I get close to anyone else, that person is going to leave me too. So what am I going to do? I'm going to protect myself and I'm going to allow you to get a little bit close, but I'm going to keep my guard up and you're not going to come but so far in. Trauma response. There are a lot of us that are moving in this world that are angry at our parents for various reasons. Maybe we felt like as something happened in our childhood and they didn't protect us enough or they didn't care for us enough. So we are carrying this anger Mm -hmm. um, and we, how do we start to move past that? And I don't know if we can ever get past it, but to release it to the point so that we don't have this burden, you know, recognizing what it is. We have to recognize what it is. We have to be aware of ourselves. We have to take a, a, a um, check of our body, a body scan, emotional body scan. How am I feeling? 
in this moment. And when you talk about your parents, understanding that your parents are human. Um, if your parents were emotionally immature, and I keep mentioning, mentioning this, this term, emotional immaturity, if your parents had you at a very young age or if they experienced trauma, they may have been stagnated at the point when they experienced the trauma, which means that emotionally they're trying to catch up with their chronological age. Um, as adults, when we look back and we say, gosh, you know, I remember that my mom or dad had an came from an abusive home or had some trauma that happened to them. Or even if we don't know a whole lot about our parents, a parent that doesn't talk about him or herself as a child, maybe someone who had extreme trauma in their lives. And so they just skip all over it. I'm just I was born an adult. <laughs> I don't want to think about my childhood. I don't know anything. Right. So when you have people and you're like, I don't know anything about my parents past. I don't know anything about their life. They probably they may have had emotionally immature parents. Parents were victims of trauma and they just don't want to talk about it, which means they're not going to give their children a whole lot of that emotional support because they don't know how to. Right. Um, forgiveness is a choice. And when you've been mistreated by someone, the first thing we want to do is hold on to that and we become angry. You should have done better because you're the adult. I was a child. You should have known better. While all of that may be true, we can't turn back the hands of time. If we want to start moving forward then and, and being healthy for ourselves, we have to forgive those people in our past who we feel have hurt us so that we can move forward. It's not The forgiveness isn't for the parent. The forgiveness is for you so that you can let go of all of that. And so when we blame our parents for feeling like they should have done more to keep us from being traumatized or they should have done more to talk to us. So I'm angry about that. Well, here's the thing. We're not perfect. And if you are a parent, then you understand in looking at your own children, you're, you're not doing everything right. Necessarily, you're doing what you know to do, but your child has a different personality than you do. Your child has different needs than you do. And we don't always get it right. So we have to give grace to our parents for whatever we feel they've done wrong, because one thing we cannot do is reverse it so that we go back and make them correct it. And we can't look for them to make the changes in their older age to correct those things, because that time has passed. There's no way you can ever make up for the past. You have to just pick up from today and move forward. Well, but see, that's the thing I think a lot of us struggle with. Yes. You hit it. You said they should have known better. Like mm -hmm. you might have gone through whatever trauma you went through, parent, but you know that you're supposed to feed your children every night. Like that's, you know what I mean? But if I'm depressed, <laughs> if I'm depressed because of my trauma, I'm not even feeding myself. You see what I'm saying? Everybody right. has everybody has their own set of issues. And here's the thing. There's no prerequisite to be a parent. There's no application that you have to fill out. There's no vetting. There's nothing. You just become a parent. You do what it takes to become a parent and you become a parent all of a sudden. That doesn't mean that you know how to be a parent because maybe your parents didn't do those things for you. So we typically do. We typically parent either completely opposite of how we were parented or exactly the way we were parented. Oh Lord. <laughs> <laughs> As my clients tell me, okay, go ahead and pull another braid out, pull another eyelash out. <laughs> 
the hell? No. Oh, boy. (laughs) (laughs) But you also said, like, we are waiting for acknowledgement. A lot of us as adults, we want our older parents now to acknowledge that they messed up and apologize. But a lot of times that doesn't come. And it frustrates many of us. And we carry anger because it's like, you you know you didn't do right. You Why can't you just admit it? Well, <laughs> because to admit it shows your flaws. And nobody wants to be flawed. And what you will find a lot of times is sometimes parents who feel really badly, badly about their mistakes that they made will try to overcompensate when it comes to grandchildren. They're going to treat the grandchildren way better than they treated you. And we look at that and we say, well, you do that to me. Beat me all the time. Why are you not beating them? But it's because I realized that I did wrong. I realized that that wasn't the way I should have done things. And no, we may not ever get that apology. And you have to also ask yourself, okay, you get an apology. It doesn't take away the fact that it happened. It doesn't take away the fact that you still felt the way you did when it happened. And so do you really need the apology? Do you really need the acknowledgement? Or is that just something that we've learned, we've come to learn is necessary whenever, you know, it comes to forgiving someone. Like when you think about children and they fight each other, what do you, as parents, what do we say? Go apologize to your sister for doing that. Does the sister really even need, does the apology even mean anything, right? So that's why I say the forgiveness is a choice for you to make for you, not for the other person. That person never has to acknowledge what they've done wrong in order to really and truly forgive someone. To forgive someone, you have to figure out, first of all, what what exactly is it that they did to me to harm me or to hurt me or what disservice did they do to me? And the other thing is, how did that affect my life? What changes did it cause in my life? Who did it make me become? And then you think about, Who is this person and what is their backstory? What could possibly have happened in their life to make them treat me this way? Now you get a better understanding of the person who's done the wrong to you. When you do that, you tend to have a little bit of empathy in your heart for them and say, gosh, you know what? I think if I had been through something like that or, you know, my heart goes out to them because maybe they were traumatized. Maybe they didn't have a good life. Maybe they were they were angry about some things and I didn't know it. So. Now you have a choice. What do you have to lose in forgiving this person? And not saying that you forget what happened, but what do you have to lose in forgiving them? And then what do you have to gain from forgiving them? And I always think about the, what do I have to gain? I don't have to live with this burden anymore. I don't have to live with this cloud hanging over me anymore because it takes so much energy to not forgive someone. Because we sit there and we think of every time we see that person, we could be laughing and joking and all of a sudden a sadness comes over us because we're determined. I am not going to forget what you did to me. So now I'm having a strong emotional response, but that person is sitting there with no clue as to what just happened. So who's exerting the energy here? Me? Or the person who wronged me? Me. And the thing is, I'm still abusing myself. Because I keep holding on to whatever it is that they did to me. So now that I've got the pros and the cons, I have an opportunity to make a choice. Do I want to go with continuing to hold on to this anger and this resentment and this hurt? 
and letting it affect me and using up my energy? Or do I want to just free myself of this and move on with my life? I think I'm going to choose to free myself. Yeah. And I, I will say in my own journey, recognizing my own traumas has allowed me to recognize and be, you know, forgiving and have grace to others when someone does me wrong. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. I, I don't, instead of me <laughs> going nuclear, as my brother says, <laughs> I pause and I'm like, okay, yeah, something you know, she responded that way. Maybe something happened to her in her life, mm -hmm. you know, and that triggered something. Yes. You know, so it, it's really helped me to give grace to others, mm -hmm. you know, and I guess that's all we can do because the trauma is going to keep coming. Absolutely. Absolutely. And when you said it allows you to give grace to others, if there's a, if it's a loved one, that has a strong emotional response and you can't figure out what just happened here, ask the question, what just happened? You know, um, if you notice that you're having a conversation with a family member or a friend and all of a sudden they snap or they're acting really different than what they normally act, then you can take that moment and maybe not right then, but, you know, kind of come back and say, hey, what just happened? We were having a conversation. Where did, what, what, happened in that time that made you respond in that way. And sometimes that brings their attention. It brings their awareness. Oh, I did react kind of weird. Right. And they say, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to snap. I just have so much going on in my life. Okay. Well, let's talk about it because it's doing no good bouncing around in your own head. Let's talk about it. Get it out. Or even if you don't want to talk to me, write it out on a piece of paper right now, just write it out and we'll rip it up and, trash it, but I need you to be emotionally okay for what we need to do. If you have a friend or a loved one, do that for them. So if we know that traumatic events, they're going to keep coming because mm -hmm. <laughs> yes. that's part of life. Yes. How do we prepare ourselves for it when it comes? Can we prepare ourselves so that we can, you know, not have such adverse consequences? So in some ways, I don't know if you would call it preparing yourself for it, but having tools in your toolbox to use for when these traumatic events happen. And what I mean by that is right now we're still in the, in the midst of a pandemic, but on top of that, there's a possibly a threat of going to war. Um, so with all of this, that is very traumatic for people it may bring up some very strong emotional uh, reactions for them. And so a couple things here, recognize as far as the pandemic is concerned, are you doing everything that you can to protect yourself? Yes, there's nothing you can do about it after that. If you're doing what you can, that's all you can do. Um, you know that there's gonna be still talk on the news and social media and all of this about the pandemic, about you know the war, about all these different things. You have to limit yourself in social media, limit yourself on how much news you watch, um, practice some grounding. If you recognize that you're constantly thinking about your safety or whether or not your loved one is going to have to go to war or something like that, you have to remind yourself to be in the present. There's nothing happening right now in this moment. I'm here. I'm safe. My loved one is here. They're safe. We're not going to create a tragedy where there is none. 
right? We're not going to catastrophize. We're not going to go down that rabbit hole of thinking, well, what if and what if? Because there's so many what ifs. And the moment we start asking that one what if question, there's a thousand more what ifs that can come along with that. And now we're traumatized in our own head and nothing's even happened. And so being in the present, being grounded, being around loved ones and friends so that they can kind of keep an eye on us and we can share these things and talking about how you feel. There's nothing wrong with you sharing how you feel about these things. And I know we don't want to be vulnerable, but hey, we only have one time to come this way, right? And life is not promised to us tomorrow. And so so what if you tell somebody that I'm really nervous right now, I'm really scared right now, and maybe they're feeling the same way. And so you guys can help each other to process through all of this. You are not here alone and you don't have to do this life alone. Reach out to someone, talk about how you feel. Uh, Because again, if you're left to your own thoughts, we tend to just be naturally catastrophizers. We'll, We'll go down a rabbit hole so quickly. And all of a sudden now that becomes a story that we tell because it, in our mind, it actually happened, but it didn't. It's just, we were in here, we were in our head. We didn't get anything out, talk about it. So we created the scenario and that's what we run with. Yeah. Oh, this was deep. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much, Dr. Pope. You're welcome. You're welcome. I appreciate it. I know that was helpful for me. And I, I, I mean, I know the listeners going to know that this is helpful for them. <laughs> so how can they find out more about you? Okay. So I am on psychology today under Tiffany Pope. Um, that's P-O-P-E. My office number is 706-231-2008. Uh, the website is www.tiffanypope.com dot wixsite.com slash cultivating roots. Long title. I know I have to try to remember it myself. <laughs> I don't go to it often. <laughs> and my email address is Tiffany C Pope PhD at gmail.com. And you are based in the state of Georgia. Yes, I am based in the state of Georgia. I have an office in Norcross currently. That may be shutting down. I may be moving to a new location, but I'll let everyone know if I do. But currently, that's where I am. And but I also do. offer virtual sessions. Right, so, right. That's what I was going to ask. Yes. You have virtual sessions. Okay, listeners, <laughs> I can attest. Dr. Pope is the truth. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate you so much. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. Absolutely. Well, there you have it, Go Hard Chicks. Another great episode again with Dr. Pope. If you like this show or any of the episodes, please take a moment to rate, review, and subscribe. I always say do this on Apple Podcasts, but you can also do this on Spotify for my Android listeners. Rating and reviewing the show really helps the show to rank higher. And ranking higher means that will help other people find the show and hear the podcast. We really need this information to be more widely heard so we can help as many Go Hard Chicks as possible. Thank you for listening, Go Hard Chicks. Take care.